All right. Well, get your Bible out this morning. And uh, uh, we decided to do a little bit different today. We're, of course, talking about uh, the subject of marriage. We've been in a series called The Making of a Marriage. And so I decided to have Amy help me out today. And we're going to tag team uh, this message this morning and continue along these lines. And so let's go ahead and take a moment to pray. And, uh, and trust God that He'll give us exactly what we need for today. Amen? All right, Father, thank You so much. You're such a good God, such a faithful Lord. And uh, we just do look to You now for utterance in the Spirit. We look to You for answers and for direction, for help for every single person. Lord, I, there are some who are struggling. There are some who are in, in dire straits in many areas of their life. And I thank You that You are the answer. You're the source of our supply. We do trust You today. We're not giving it our best shot, not giving it our best effort. We're giving You all of our trust Mm -hmm. and all of our confidence that You work it out and You turn things around for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Everybody ready? Uh, We were talking to you last time about... Uh, about the love of God. You recall that? And I gave you an assignment. Hopefully you finished your assignment. So much so that uh, you want to continue with your assignment. But you remember I, 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 I said that you should read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 from the Amplified Bible at least one time per day for two weeks. Preferably two or three times per day for two weeks, all right? If you did that, uh, if you didn't, it's, you can start today. If you didn't do that, or if you did do that, you're, if you're married, it's already gotten better, guaranteed. It's already improved things in your life because the love of God works. Mm-hmm. And someone said, well, I've been doing it. I, I haven't seen any ch- change. Listen, you need to seek God that He will reveal those Scriptures to you mm-hmm. because when you see them, and put them into practice, they work all the time, all right? There's no shortage of power in heaven. There's no lack of God's grace and ability to turn your situation around and make things better. I tell you what, people, you don't know my situation. Well, I know God. I know some pretty scary, hairy situations. (laughs) I'm aware of some pretty frightening things like, yikes, how'd you get into that mess? Uh, But I do know this. God is faithful, and He is able to turn things around. And if we'll do things His way, trust in His love, it will really make a difference in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. Okay, and so uh, continuing along some of those same lines today, uh, we want to uh, talk about and focus on some of the practical outworkings of that love. All right? Uh, We know that love can be, in, in my estimation, Uh, defined simply by selflessness. A lot of things we could say about it, but when a person is selfless, that really shows the picture to us of the the love of God. Um, But love is not just about uh, being kind. That's part of it. But it really comes to this. It's about knowing what effectively communicates. I'm choosing these words specifically now. What effectively communicates love to your spouse? What do you do that communicates love to the person you're married to? Because uh, it's not all the same. 
And now, now today in the message, what we have done is we've borrowed some material from a, from a book called The Five Languages of Love. All right, and we're gonna we're gonna use some of this material here today, and and bring out some practical aspects or some points uh, by which you can again share your love with your spouse. Okay, here we go. First one. Oh, well, why don't you go ahead? Okay. Give her a chance to talk well, to since she's up here. Everyone needs to feel love, and people do feel love in different ways. And some have likened it to a gas tank or a bank account where you're constantly putting in or taking out, making withdrawals and deposits or, you know, filling and driving, whatever. And uh, I was pondering this and I realized really how sad it is that oftentimes two, couple, two people in a relationship who really do truly love each other, if you ask them individually, yes, I love her, I love him, but yet they don't know how to communicate that love to the other spouse and so many times a marriage will end simply because two people do not know how to communicate love to the other spouse. And... Uh, your marriage is worth contending for. And so we're, what we're, our goal is today is to help you start looking for ways that you can begin to communicate your love to your spouse so that they can understand it. You're going to be putting deposits into their account or you know, filling up the tank, so to speak. But if they never feel loved, they're like a car running on fumes, and it won't be long before they're out of the race. All right, so here's what we want to do. We want to fill up your tank today, <laughs> recharge your battery, fill up your account, whatever uh, illustration you'd like, you can relate to the most. But it's important that we take specific action to do these things. The first one of these ways that you can express love to your, uh, to your mate is, number one, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. We, we are very much aware of scriptures like Proverbs 18.21. That's, that say death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We oftentimes will use that scripture in connection to uh, walking, in God, walking in health and healing, walking in, in provision and prosperity or victory and success in life and, and how that, uh, of course, the words that we speak do affect our own heart and we ought to be saying what God says and not what, what we feel and not what the world says and everything else and how it impacts us directly. But how many understand this, that not only is that true, but also words in a marriage can make or break it. If someone is using words of life and affirmation and, and encouragement and so forth, that can really enhance the health and strength of a marriage. But right on the other hand, when, some, when people are using words that are critical and condemning and constantly putting down, that will destroy a marriage and that will eat the life out of a, a love life and a love relationship. And so uh, depending on your background, you know, you may be more or less apt to do this, it may, may be more natural for you to uh, look at people and 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 you know you got your, your hair sure looks nice or sure like your sweater or sure you know you know you're just quick to notice and compliment people and point out positive aspects of their life and others are just oblivious to that and some of it I think is the way we grew up some of its personality traits and so forth but uh, whatever it is I, I believe that we can learn. And if you're one who is quick to notice things that are wrong, but slow to notice things that are right, we must believe that that can change. Because yeah. how many know that is a problem? <laughs> it's a problem if you only know, especially in marriage now. Secondly, in church with your pastor. But uh, first of all, in marriage, it's a problem if only thing you notice 
is what you don't like, is what they're falling short in or what they're doing wrong in your eyes and what, uh, you know, how they're not meeting your needs in some way. If that's all you notice, you're in trouble. But we have got to switch this around so we begin to focus on and magnify those things that our spouses are doing right. I'm telling you, I've, I've spoken with couples who it would seem from their discussion they didn't like anything about the other person anymore. I mean, at one point they were in love and they got married and going to live happily ever after. Now they can't stand each other. Everything they talk about is the other person's uh, failure in some way. But even if a person is to that point, if they will consciously point out, even in their own mind or write it down, and even better than that, verbalize it, what they do like, what that person is doing well, what they appreciate, uh, that will change their marriage. And so it's very important that we uh, really get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. The flesh is critical, man. It just wants to point out everything that's wrong. It just wants to uh, bring to people's remembrance every past wrong thing that has been said, sometimes going back 20 years. And, uh, and we need to get out of that, um, you know, that mode of operation and begin to be encouragers, begin to be those who affirm what is right. You know, the word encourage is a word, you think about it, in courage. What does it do? It gives courage. When we speak encouraging words to each other, we are empowering each other to succeed. Whereas when people are discouraging, speaking critical words, what are they doing? They're really sucking the life out of the other person. And that person may want to do well, may want to be a good spouse and a good person and a good Christian and a good uh, American and a good human being. But every time they're, they're criticized and lamb blasted for everything that they're falling short in, that sucks the life out of that person. And they may want to do well, may want to do better, but they're no longer able to do better. Really, it's in the interest of both spouses, the one that, which is both, but the one that needs to change and the one that wants the other person to change. It's in their best interest to build up, mm-hmm. to empower and strengthen, because that's the only time we can really change. And there's no doubt that all of us who are married need to change to some degree. We've got some improving to do, and we need strength to do that. That's why, I mean, it's the reason why some people, they, they go on a cycle in their life. Over and over, around and around, they continually do the same things that are in the same destructive patterns. They don't have the ability to get out. And uh, they need some courage. They need some strength to be able to get out. And uh, uh, what I'm talking about here, of course, is, you know, affirmation, compliments. You look good. You're doing a good job. You're... The food was amazing. The, you're doing a great job on the job, doing a great job with the kids. You know, whatever it is that we're involved with uh, that is being done right, acknowledge it. Affirm it. Not this, okay? Not using this as a form of manipulation to get them to do what you want them to do. I sure appreciate when you go to the gym, <laughs> but I don't go to the gym. Well, I know, but if you would, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I just want to well I just want to encourage you in that <laughs> well that's not encouraging is it <laughs> how many know if you're trying to get someone to do something they're not doing or they don't want to do it doesn't come across as encouragement it comes across as criticism condemnation come, comes across as, as uh, you know you're, you're falling short and uh, you know your so called encouragement you might lead it off with that sentence you know 
I just want to encourage you. That doesn't mean you're about to encourage them. <laughs> it may mean that you're about to subtly through the back door slip in that, you know, kick in the butt to get them to do what you want them to do. And, uh, and that's not really what we're talking about. It, I'm not saying we can't ever have a discussion about what you want your spouse to do. But don't couch it in, in this way where it's actually be becoming manipulation. And so uh, uh, make note of and focus on things they do well, and, again, instead of being just mindful of their shortcomings. And uh, one thing you can do in, in this area of words of affirmation is, is talk about your spouse to other people. I mean, the good things. <laughs> talk to their friends. Make comments to friends, and even more importantly, to family, to, to like a mother, your mother-in-law, <laughs> your father-in-law. Make comments to them about how your wife or your husband does something so well or how you appreciate them in a certain area. What happens when you do that? Uh, it usually gets back to them, doesn't it? And they find out that you've been talking about them and you've been saying positive things behind their back and you're going to get double credit for that. What are you doing when, when, while you're doing these things? You're filling up the tank. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, would you open it to John 13? And uh, when I was a child, I lived in the country on a farm. And uh, every morning, we would, my grandmother, I lived with my grandparents. My grandmother would make us breakfast. And either while we were eating or sitting next to the fire, staying warm, my grandfather would stand outside and wait for the bus. And while he kept his eye on the horizon, he would walk back and forth from the garage to the mailbox on the other side of the street in the snow, just making a path back and forth, back and forth. And what he was doing was making a way so that we could walk and wouldn't get our feet wet. And then he would stand out there, and when he saw the bus coming, he would peek his hat in the door and say, the bus is here, make sure everybody had all their stuff. And then we would go get on the bus, and he'd stand in the driveway and watch us drive away. And I believe that my grandfather was showing love to us by acts of service. And that's the next thing that we want to talk about this morning is acts of service. In John 13, verses 3 through 5, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Interestingly enough, here's Jesus. He knows that he's the second member of the Godhead. He knows that he's all that, basically. I mean, he knows who he is. And yet, he humbles himself to the position of like a hired hand or a slave in those times, which I'm understanding is who would normally do the feet washing, not like important people, but unimportant people, so to speak. And so here's Jesus, the most important person that ever walked on the face of the earth, laying aside who he was to serve the people that he loved. And so he's our example in this. Acts of service sh show love to your spouse by doing things for them. And it could be little things or big things. It could be thoughtful things or mundane things. The possibilities really are endless. You could take out the trash, you could wash the car, you could fix something that's broken, clean the house, change the oil in the car, cook dinner, take care of the kids, making sure you have supplies on hand that 
people need in your family, whatever, change diapers, give back rubs, any, anything that is something that serves the other person. And uh, what, one caution that I have in this is that we all come to marriage with an example that we've lived with of our parents. And so we oftentimes will have preconceived ideas about what a, our spouse's role is in the marriage based on what our parents have, how our parents have acted toward one another. And um, sometimes we don't even really know that we're expecting that. And, and so some, I think if you're disappointed, maybe you, you need to examine how did my parents act and is that really a realistic expectation for my own marriage? One of the um, examples I could think of was if you grew up in a family where your father cooked and you get married and your husband grew up in a family where your mother cooked every meal and all of a sudden you just kind of find yourself bugged and irritated like you think he's not helping or doing things. Well, why do you think he's not helping or doing things? Because he's doing what he learned from his parents and you're expecting what you learned from your parents. And so there can be like some miscommunication there. And so I just wanted you to be aware of preconceived expectations of service in a marriage. Like maybe your mom picked up every dirty sock in the whole house and your husband's mom did it or whatever, vice versa, and you're expecting them to do that, and they, they're expecting you to do that because that's what wives do and that's what husbands do based on your expectations of, of the model from your parents. So uh, don't, don't feel frustrated and keep nagging about those things. Realize that the expectation came from something that might not be realistic and adjust. And actually, I think the main theme that's flowing through all the things we're talking about today is love and, le- and set- setting aside what you want and what you expect and what you need and what you desire and focusing on the other person. Yeah, and when we talk about uh, one person serving the other, this is not a gender thing. Uh, we'll get into some in the future about different roles and how the Bible does say that we are different, husband and wife. But much of what we've said so far is not based on who's the husband or wife or who's the head of the home and and so forth. Serving is to be done by both. It's not just, well, bless God, I'm the head of my home and and, uh, so she needs to serve me. Uh, Well, actually, the scripture read here was Jesus, wasn't it? And him being the man did the serving. And so uh, this is something that we can all do in expressing our love to, other, to others and especially our spouses is that we are there to serve them, okay? And so the, the, the next area, number three, is quality time. Number three, quality time. How can you express love to your spouse? That is simply by spending time with them. With all the busy, busyness of life these days, Uh, Many sacrifice one of the most essential elements of a relationship, and that is simply spending time together. And I understand it uh, to a degree, you know, with schedules, and oftentimes you've got two people working, uh, husband and wife, you know, full-time employed, and got kids, and sometimes with companies these days, they run around the clock, and so people can work opposite hours and hardly ever see each other. But that's detrimental to a relationship. You need to be, amazingly, you need to spend time together. I mean, our relationship with God, that's even necessary. Aren't we told to wait on the Lord? Didn't Jesus call his disciples to be with him and then go out and preach? And that spending time with your spouse is, is, is vital. And not just time present in the room, but quality time. And 
And, uh, you know, when people were dating and, and engaged, oftentimes they went out of their way, they did crazy things to, to get to see and to get to be with that other person. Am I right? Or did you do stuff like that? I mean, sometimes if people live at a distance, or sometimes even the same city, uh, they spent, people spent all night on the phone. Nowadays, I guess this is before we didn't have this in our, in our time, but they probably text all night and, 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 and chat. And, of course, you got video chats and all this kind of stuff uh, really enhance a engagement. And, uh, <laughs> but people go out of their way. I know when we were, uh, Amy was in her, when we were engaged, she was in her last year of college, and uh, she was two and a half hours away from me. But we were together twice a week and lived two and a half hours apart. I'd go up once a week, and then she'd come, she'd come on the weekends. And so the weekend, you know, Friday through Monday morning. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, but usually, you know, Sunday. But we get three or four days a week together, and we live that far apart. Well, why would you do that? We'd see, we weren't told to do that either. We didn't have to go to a class. We didn't have to read it in a book. <laughs> Uh, we didn't have to be motivated. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to set aside time for my fiance. No, we were internally motivated. We just wanted to. But sometimes that gets set aside after a marriage and things get comfortable. All of a sudden you're working, got crazy schedules and you don't spend much time together anymore, and that's detrimental to a relationship. All right, you need to get together. You need to spend time together and understand this that spending time with your spouse is not about liking what you are doing. It's nice if you do like what you're doing, but that's not the focus. Okay? We're talking about activities. We're talking about doing things together. Sometimes it is just sitting, staring at each other and having a conversation. Remember those? You know, with the TV off? <laughs> and uh, you have a conversation. But uh, people like different things. People who are married like different things. Hopefully, there's some things you like together. Uh, you know, like when we go when we go out to eat, sometimes we um, we talk about sharing a meal because some you know portions sometimes at the good restaurants are just huge. And uh, but most of the time we don't want to eat the same thing. <laughs> now and then we can share, you know, a good chicken fried steak or something. Uh, but other than that, I'm going to eat something hot and spicy, and she's going to eat something bland and. <laughs> But with, what, what, mushrooms. with mushrooms. Why would you do that? That's, that, that, that's why you have a, a, a server there and you can say, hold the mushrooms. I mean, why else did God make that possibility? And anyway, uh, and so we like different things. But again, it's not about liking the same thing. In other words, she'll go watch Star Trek with me because I like it. It's coming out here real soon. <laughs> and she'll enjoy it because, to a degree <laughs> because I enjoy it. All right? And I'll go see Sabrina or some other chick flick. Why? Because I like it? No. no. <laughs> well, I don't mean I'm just miserable. I mean, I, but the main motive is because she likes it. And really, probably seeing a movie isn't the best example of spending time together. But uh, you know what I'm talking Some says Someone says, I don't really like to go for walks or do picnics. Well, does your spouse. You're not doing it for the event. You're doing it for the time spent. And that's what we need to highly value in our lives. How much time are you setting aside and taking purposeful effort in just hanging out, just communicating, just talking with the TV off? 
All right? We've all had those conversations during the football game, right, guys? You remember what she said? <laughs> Why well, your attention was divided. And, uh, and there's got to be some time when attention is not divided. So I, I would encourage you to do things like date your mate. You know, one of the things that, that we've done, and, and we were, again, this wasn't something we were counseled to do. We've just always done it. Uh, but we've been married almost 15 years now. And, and from the beginning and prior to the beginning of our marriage, we've regularly gone out on dates. And uh, probably, you know, 90% of the weeks uh, go, going back, uh, at least once a week, we go out without the kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with other people, a lot of times just with us. And we just go out to dinner and, and, and other activities, you know, good Star Trek or <laughs> blow em up show or, or sometimes walk around a mall. <laughs> no, is that fun? Well, shopping's not fun, but it's not about shopping. Well, shopping might be fun. To, well, she's not really a avid shopper either, except for deals. She likes to get deals. But, uh, but it's not about that. It's about the time spent together. And I've had so many people come up to me over the years, people I knew, uh, and we talked about how we were going out that night or so, so forth. It, the subject came up, and they said, oh, you guys have always done that, haven't you? And yeah. And they said, well, man, we should do that. That's a good idea. But so often they never do. It gets put off year after year because it's expensive sometimes. If you have kids, you've got to get a babysitter. Or they think, well, you've got to buy a meal. But really you don't. I mean, you can do stuff for free. Breathing is free. <laughs> Walking. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can see and do for free. But uh, if it does cost money, hey, I think it's worth the investment. Divorce costs, costs money too. <laughs> Remember that? Two households cost a lot of money. There's a lot of, a lot of other problems if you don't invest into your marriage that are going to cost you. Spend money where it's needed. Mm-hmm. Amen. We were talking about last night, too, the time. Some people just feel like they can't make time to spend with their spouse or too busy. But um, the way I see it, you're going to be equally as busy on the other end of the marriage if it ends because you're going to be, you know, trying to pull the pieces of your life back together. And that takes a lot of time, too. So it's easier just to spend the time on the front end and invest in, in some time with your spouse. Yeah, yeah. So date, you know, do lunch when you can. If you got hectic schedules, you, you do. You still do eat, right? You know, plan lunch together or go for a walk, talk. Learn how to be a good listener. That's vital to uh, uh, to spending time together. Uh, you got to learn how to listen to your spouse, read their feelings, their body language, and and everything else. Okay. Well, the other day I was working at my computer, and Wendy came in from the yard, and she had a handful of something. And she laid it next to me at the computer, and she's smiling from ear to ear. She says, I picked these for you, Mommy. And my heart starts to melt, and I look down at what it was. And it was a little ball of half-spent kind of brownish dandelions, and I just laughed. But I realized that she was showing love to me by giving me a gift. And the next thing that we want to talk about is giving, or excuse me, receiving of gifts. And a gift is something that's given willingly to someone without payment. You can't buy it or earn it or even give something in exchange for it. In doing so, it ceases to become a, or ceases to be a gift. And uh, the very existence of the man Jesus, as well as the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is a gift from God. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in, who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And then in Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, excuse me, I'm sorry, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, the Bible also says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And so God is a giver. And since God is love, we would be smart to try and love like he loves. And God so loved that he gave. And so a gift, it doesn't have to be expensive. What it does need to be is something that your spouse would want or enjoy. It should show that you thought about them when you were selecting the gift. And just because you're like really, really into something, like you're a big, huge NASCAR fan, that doesn't mean that your wife wants tickets to NASCAR. And just because women, you, maybe you love classical music, doesn't mean your husband's going to get all excited over Chopin or, or Bach or something, a CD. You know, it ha this can be a little tricky because you actually have to pay attention to what they like and what they don't like. And it's more than just, you know, they don't like mushrooms. I mean, you really have to pay attention. And maybe you're out together shopping or browsing, and you kind of have to watch what they're looking at. What, what do they pick up? What do they touch? What are they in a store? Or what are some things that they use a lot and maybe they're out or running low on? You could surprise them by replenishing something. Or... Um, Thanks for the deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling love. <laughs> or the other thing is uh, maybe something that they've wanted to try, like learning a new skill or something that they've been thinking about purchasing, but it just kind of seems to be low on the priority list. Or um, maybe they need a, time, a, a day out, just alone, some time alone, a, a spa or a massage or, or, or a game, you know, something for them to just go do with their friends. Or Those can all be gifts, but you have to, yeah, absolutely, some golf, round of golf. But um, the trick here is that you have to, it has to be something that they would enjoy or want. And um, we've already talked about this, but this also is not the time to be giving them a gift of a diet or self-help book. I just want to bless you. <laughs> it's a gym membership. <laughs> if they've been wanting that, that's one thing. But. Right. You know, you go back into the Old Testament, you can see so many of these things, you know, how Solomon was, was, was one rich dude. And uh, you notice when, when the Queen of Sheba came to visit him, she brought him all kinds of stuff, riches and gold and all kinds of things. It wasn't because he needed it. He didn't need any more money. How many know our giving is not all about need? Sometimes it's about honor. How many know the scripture says we honor the Lord with the first fruits of our increase? It's not because God needs your money. It's, it's about honoring him. And when you, when you give a gift, that can be a way of honoring someone. Mm -hmm. Scripture even says uh, in Proverbs that a, a man's gift makes room for him. And so, uh, what are you doing when you give a gift to, a, to your spouse? You're making room. You're, you're impacting their heart. More than, their, more than you filling a need, which could be part of it though, filling a need of something they need or, or want, you're ministering, you're communicating love to that person. You thought about them. You went out of your way to do something special for them. And if it's a if it's a money issue, you didn't talk about that, did you? But it, it, you know, think, say I can't really afford to be buying gifts all the time. We're 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 strapped. Something like that. Well, how many know gifts can be dandelions? <laughs> Unless you know better. <laughs> 
from a three-year-old, they can be dandelions. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, they can be things um, that don't cost you anything but did show thought and consideration. Right. Right? Okay, here we go. Number five. Everybody ready? Number five is physical touch. Number five is physical touch. Another way you can express love to your husband or wife is through physical touch. In, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, Then they brought little children to him, him being Jesus, that he might touch them. They wanted Jesus to touch their kids. The disciples rebuked those who brought them. Verse 16 says, And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. But what did Jesus do? He laid hands on the children and blessed them. And certainly we can talk about anointing and, and you know, a tangible blessing that might flow. Uh, and I believe in that, no doubt. But there's got to be a reason God wanted us to touch. You know, Mark 16, 18 says believers would lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. You say, well, there has to be that laying on of hands for anointing, healing anointing to be transferred. doesn't have to be. That's a way that God instituted. People can be healed without the laying on of hands. We, we know that. Why did God want us to touch each other? <laughs> and I realize that can almost sound weird in today's <laughs> day and age, but human beings are supposed to touch. Especially now, husbands and wives. There should be a lot of physical contact between them. You don't want to get to a place where you're just buds. You're just friends. And, you know, and every time something's... Something good is, you know, hey, way to go. You did a good job on the meal today. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> How many know that the, 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 the touching ought to be a little bit different than that? Okay. Ought to be a little bit more affectionate than a, than a good high five. Not that you could never do that for fun, whatever. Uh, uh, do we ever do that? You did okay with the kids. I do that with the kids. But we also hug. <laughs> and so... Uh, it, 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 it's important. Um, touching has a way of saying something. We know even even if we shake hands, you know, on the way out here today, if, if we shake hands, what are we saying by that? If I put out my hand to you, I'm being friendly. I'm greeting. I'm being, uh, you know, hospitable. Uh, I'm showing acceptance. Um, if I put out my hand to you and you pull yours back, <laughs> What is, doesn't that communicate something too? <laughs> if someone shakes a hand, that says something. Someone doesn't. They, they, they refuse to touch. That's communicated. And we are communicating to our spouse by how much we touch or not or don't touch them. Do you know that sometimes a spouse will unintentionally communicate that they don't love the other person because they, um, they by, simply by the absence of physical initiative? If you never take an initiative to touch to show physical affection to your spouse, you're saying something. You may not be doing it on purpose. You may not be mindful of it, but you're saying something. And to that other person, you might be blowing through a megahorn, megaphone, whatever it is. You might be shouting pretty loud to them. And to you, you're not doing anything. But it's the absence of doing it that is communicating volumes to them that something's wrong here. They don't love me. You, might, you may or may not be saying that. But they're hearing that. All right. Physical touch, of course, in a marriage is everything from hugging to back rubs to, you know, casual touching to holding hands to sexual intercourse. All right. All these things are involved and necessary in the marriage relationship. And so I think it'd be important to find out 
what type of touching your spouse likes, what type they don't like. All right, just because you like, you know, a shoulder rub, maybe they don't. I, I've used this illustration before uh, in, you know, in in do, ministering and walking in love towards others. Like if my wife gives me a shoulder rub, back rub, I like her to dig deep, push hard, you know, get right, get way down in there. <laughs> but however, if I give her one, she doesn't want me to push that hard. So if I do to her what I want, she's not ministered to. I need to know what she wants and what she likes. She does, you know, she doesn't really like this. <laughs> Do you see her cringe there? <laughs> Someone might think, I'm just caressing my wife, showing her how much I love. Does she like that? <laughs> if she, You should know that. So how would I know? Ask. Look at her face when you do it. <laughs> and if you don't like something... Tell them, <laughs> tell your husband or wife, you know, that's not my favorite thing. However, I appreciate the, the sentiment. I'd really rather like you do this and tell them what you want. But it's important to know each other and, uh, and, and to understand what kind of touching they do like, what kind they don't like. And, uh, uh, you know, practical ways, you know, when, when, you, when one of you arrives home and out at work or whatever, you arrive home, who likes to be ignored when you walk in? <laughs> How about a hug? <laughs> How about a kiss at that time? How about you're driving down the road or walking through the mall and you grab hands? How about you, uh, you're somewhere, you're at home sitting on the couch, but instead of sitting like we are, you sit close <laughs> and you actually touch. See, this is important. This is a love relationship. It's what a marriage is about. And, uh, and it doesn't all have to lead to sexual intercourse. It's not all about that. But how many know that's important too? Hmm? I mean, I'm surprised sometimes when I hear... Uh, when I hear stories about husbands and wives and they've gone a month, they've gone months, you know, and I remember a, a fr- friend called me years ago, I don't know, I was in my 20s, he was in his 20s, and uh, he was trying to get my advice because he was, you know, loved his wife and, you know, they thought everything was good, but he said, you know, it'll, uh, you'll, there's usually no children in here, but, so, uh do see a couple, but he said it basically only happens once a week on Sunday. And he was trying to get my advice to, you know, how can I change this? And, and I'm not going to go into that advice today. Uh, but that's a problem. That's not supposed to be that way. And, uh, you know, this is a part of marriage, isn't it? Amen. These things ought to be normal and natural and somewhat frequent. Someone told me what, one time, uh, someone in the church here on the one way out, they said, the way you tell... The, the strength of a marriage or the temperature of a marriage or something like that, he said, you find out from the bedroom. <laughs> and uh, I thought, that's interesting. That's probably true. That's probably true. You find out what's going on. How well, how good is this marriage? <laughs> well, what's happening behind the scenes, that's oftentimes how good it is. If it's no good there, probably not as good as you think it is. How many, how many understand that often? One person in the marriage thinks the marriage is better than the other person. Often, one person thinks, this is great, and the other person is thinking, yikes, we need help. That's why it's good to communicate. (laughs) That's why it's good to have some discussions and talk about these things. And if, if that's been uncomfortable to do, use what we're doing here as a springboard. Right? Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go away saying, 
Well, what do you think about what the pastor and his wife said today? <laughs> Start a discussion. Have things open. Not being demanding. All the things that we're talking about, it's not, it's not about demanding your spouse act a certain way. Love doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. All right? Love is focused on you and what you can do to minister life and effectively communicate love to the other person. Whenever we start demanding our ways, man, you've exited the Spirit of God. He's no longer helping you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Let's go put that next slide up. I want, I, want you to look, I want you to think about this question for a moment. I feel loved by my wife, husband, when she or he, what? When she does, he does what? I feel loved by that. I'm not talking about love by faith here. I'm talking about feelings. I feel loved by my, my spouse when they do what? What do they do? Think about that for a moment. All right. Maybe you can come up with an easy answer. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's more challenging. But as we've discussed these five areas today, uh, you can probably relate to some of these more than others. Maybe one stands out big time. Maybe the others are like, yeah, that's good, but I don't really care if my wife buys me gifts or, or, or something like that. It's not a, not a major deal in, in, in your life. But maybe one or two really stand out. If that's true with you, you know what? That's also true with your spouse. And what it would be wise to do is not now focus on, okay, my wife needs to start affirming, giving me gifts, spending time with me, serving me, and touching me. The focus ought to be the opposite. Okay, what can I now do to start communicating my love to my spouse? And so I may know the answer to this question for me. Or I may be able to come up with a few things. This really is something that communicates effectively to me. But really we ought to be asking the question for our spouse. What can I do that makes her feel loved? Her feel appreciated and so forth. And if you don't know that answer, it's not out of bounds to ask the question. It is okay for husbands and wives to talk. <laughs> what do you like? What out of these things, out of these things that we've discussed here, uh, what communicates love to you? You should know if they have some preferences because you could, again, inadvertently be totally communicating the wrong thing to them. You could be missing grand opportunities because you really do love her. You really do love him. And you could be missing opportunities because you're spending all your energy buying gifts and they don't really care. Or it's, I'm going to say it this way, it's not high on their priority. They just wish you'd hit the sack with them some more. Did I say that? <laughs> I, I didn't write it down that way. <laughs> they may just want to go for a walk and to hold hands and have quality time. They, they, there may be some other things that speak louder to them. And if you'll spend your energy there, watch their tank fill up. Mm-hmm. Watch their bank account rise. And all of a sudden they've got love. They had it before, but they just felt emotionally depleted. But now you are able to replenish that. Mm -hmm. And the spark is alive again. The fire is there once again. Amen. The, another thing to point out is that we didn't have you think about this so that you could tell your spouse either. It's really just so you know in case they ask. And if they never ask, 
They don't ask. Yeah. But you continue to sow, to, to sow good seeds. Yeah. You sow seeds of love. You make deposits into them. Come on, man. You're going to reap what you sow. Absolutely. You stay with this thing you're going to reap. You're putting good stuff in them. And, uh, you know, it's been said that people speak different languages. And we know that naturally. People speak different languages. But in a, in a matter of this subject, people oftentimes have different love languages where some things communicate better. And some people, some husbands and wives, they're just one speaking Spanish and one speaking English. They're just not communicating. They love each other, but they're just not, on the, they're just not able to communicate in this regard, re, in, in matters of love. And it's not because they don't want to. It's just because we have to learn about each other. Mm-hmm. Understand this, that marriage is not all spiritual. I think we know that. Mm-hmm. But that's why you can sometimes have people who aren't even saved. They don't know the Lord. They don't have the life of God. They're spiritually dead. But they have a decent marriage. Why is that? They have learned about each other. They have figured out what, the other, what turns that other person's crank. What makes them feel a certain way. And they minister that way. And we can be full of the Spirit. Saved. Blood washed and not have a clue about the person we're married to and not understand their particular makeup and therefore struggle as a result of it. And that's what we want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Amen? You good? Yeah, I was just going to say that I believe that Jesus embodies each of these things that we've talked about today. He knows how to love in all of those ways. And so, um, you know, he showed it perfectly through a life of selflessness. And, And in order for our spouse to feel love from us, we have to set aside our own needs and wants and desires and walk in the love of God toward them. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together today. We do, again, trust you to help us to see and recognize and understand our spouses and all those in our lives Mm -hmm. so we can effectively communicate the amazing love of God to them. Help us to minister one to another and to do so in a way that can be received can be enjoyed, can be helpful in our lives. We, we bless you today. Thank you for your help. We do trust you. Father, for those who are really struggling in different areas or held in bondage and diff- by different things in their life today, I pronounce and declare freedom for, for them. I pronounce and declare victory over their life. And I thank you that your grace now empowers them to succeed, empowers them to win, to overcome every obstacle and struggle and victory is theirs today I thank you Lord for it for the life of God being manifest in every heart and life today thank you for it now Father I do pray for those today who've never been saved those who've come to church this morning that